Yo, yo, we are back, back for another amazing episode. I'm excited about this one. Pretty ignorant to what's going on in this world. But another amazing episode of the Man to Man Pod. One half of the pod, Darius Butler. Got my co-host with me, my main man, AB. What's going on? And then we got a special, special guest with us today, man, Jacob Eisenberg. He's a community lead over at NBA Top Shop in Dapper Labs, uh, formerly the board role, uh, not board role, I'm sorry, overtime. But I uh, got Jacob in the building, man. Welcome. Darius, Antoine, thanks for having me, man. No problem, man. No problem. We're excited about this, man. So uh, what sure. you been up to, man? How, I mean, obviously, we know what you've been up to, but how's the pandemic been treating you, man? How you been adjusting? Uh, it's been wild, uh, you know. Lost a job in the pandemic, found a job in the pandemic. Now, mm-hmm. now on a serious grind where, uh, you know, Top Shot is going through a moment, so to speak. So we are we're just trying to keep up with the, the demand. It's been a little overwhelming. Uh, certainly a lot to do every day, um, but it's been really rewarding to see this community kind of blossom out of nothing. And uh, couldn't be more ex- couldn't be any more excited about the future because we know we have a lot of great things cooking. Definitely, man. Definitely. I'm excited to, you know, get more learn about your store. We're obviously going to get to the top shop stuff. But we want to learn about Jacob. Um, in your uh in your profile, I see your first the first thing in your profile, pass first point guard. We talk about hooping a lot of this uh, on this pod. We had Rudy Gale here. I went to UConn, which is a basketball school, pretty much. So uh tell us about your basketball game. Did you play? Did you play hoops organized growing up? Tell me about your hoop game, man. Uh, rec league all-star, nothing better than that. Okay, but, uh, okay. I think I'll... in in college I kind of hit my stride. I was playing pretty much every day. Um, and at that point, I think I actually was going to the court with kind of that that killer mentality of like I could be the best one on the floor any given day. In high school, certainly. Uh, was more a rec league guy, you know. I, I kind of had a nice bag of tricks, but couldn't shoot, uh, couldn't hit the the right side of a barn with my jump shot. So, <laughs> so that's why I'm a pass first point guard, right? Not a shooter. Pass first right, yep. Um, hey. But it, it, it's been fun playing basketball. Has been a huge part of my life since I was three years old. Um, while I, I have certain uh, athletic limitations, I always thought that I saw the floor particularly well and, and could kind of read defenses. So uh, nothing got me more excited than a nice backdoor cut, uh, hitting people okay. in stride. Okay. So that's where the pass first point Princeton. guard comes from. Yes, now, ain't, no, ain't nothing wrong with the pass first point guard. Obviously, you watch the NBA game now. Um, shit, you don't see too many of those. So um I, I i respect it man i respect it so do you you still play a lot you still when you in your free time do you play a lot yeah so uh through the pandemic uh, i haven't been but i plan to get back into it right as soon as i get vaxxed up um mm-hmm. super excited um new york it, it's kind of hard to find gym gym space yeah. right so yeah. there, there's there are a few different uh open runs with uh, some high school friends that i've been kind of getting into over the years but yeah um now with Top Shot, you know, the, the the work is just so, so immense on a weekly basis that I think, you know, this is kind of the future for me for a little while, just trying to uh, catch up to the the overwhelming demand. And uh, hopefully in, in a year or two, I'll be able to get some Saturdays back to, to get to the gym and, and shoot some hoops. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. So in the NBA right now, are there any uh, who are your favorite point guards right now? Actually, your favorite players, but who's your favorite point guard right now in the NBA? And then is, is there a favorite top shot of a point guard right now that you like? Yeah. So my favorite 
point guard in the league right now is probably Steph Curry. Not too original okay. there. Uh, yeah, he's he's going to go down. All-time great. All-time great. I think he's underappreciated. I think when he retires, we'll – like, uh, needless to say, greatest shooter of all time. But I think also one of the top ten passers of all time. I think some of the passing he, he – the passes he makes uh, certainly take a backseat because he's such a great shooter. But, like, yeah. I remember I, I watched him in college. I went to the Jimmy V Classic at MSG. He went up against a, a West Virginia team that had just – uh, made it pretty far in the NCAA tournament the year before. And Steph had this one left-handed full-court pass hitting his his teammate in stride. And, like, yeah. you know, he was with Davidson. He had a few guys on the team yeah. that had cups of coffee with, like, the G League or Summer League, but certainly no NBA talent on that team. And he single-handedly willed his team to victory. I, I've always just been kind of – amazed by what he can do on the court. But I'll give a more kind of hipster take because everyone <laughs> loves Steph. I think Facundo Campazzo on the Denver Nuggets, backup point guard. Is that backup, seven, number seven? Yes, sir, I believe so. Yeah, he, he sees he, the floor. He sees the floor, and he has these behind-the-back passes. He's really flashy. I'm also a big fan of kind of Ricky Rubio. I, you know, like I, I, any guy that is a pass-first point guard, I, yeah. I just – Resonate got a special that. Play. Yeah, they got a special uh, place in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus points if they can't shoot, because then I really have that connection, right? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Any any chance, any chance the top shot, but this this game comes to the NFL side, any chance we get it, we get some of these in football? You know, I think that's the hope, right? Like I, I think uh, you know, I can't speak to any specific brand IP, but like mm -hmm. when it comes to Right now we have the UFC signed up to, to build something pretty special on Flow Next. Um, and the idea behind Top Shot is kind of trying to be the Trojan horse for a lot of for a whole generation of people that uh, the word crypto or blockchain was intimidating to them. We're trying yeah. to show we're trying to show the, the masses that blockchain is actually a friend. It could be a really fun way to interact with uh, everyone on the Internet. So. I think one of the beauties of Top Shot is you can create an account, you can use your credit card, you can cash out to your U.S. bank. There's no kind of requirement to be into crypto to be able to use Top Shot. Um, and I think as as we've continued to see kind of this uh, overwhelming demand, I think it, it gives us a lot of confidence that over time, more and more uh, big sports leagues will want to build on blockchain because uh, there's nothing super specific about the nba that makes it perfect for a blockchain i think every sport has like show-stopping highlights awe inspiring moments that you yep. can turn into uh an immortalized token uh in the blockchain space yeah so i mean you, you kind of you, you just debut just mentioned it and you kind of jumped into it so for those that don't know what it is or never heard of it like how did this come about like what was the process like and then how did you get involved? Yeah, so in 27, so let me take a step back. Uh, one, I work for a company called Dapper Labs. Dapper Labs has four or five concurrent projects that we're, we're building. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Let me take a step back. Hold on, wait, Jacob, before, because me, me and AB, we knew pretty early on what we wanted to be when we grew up, right? And this whole space didn't even exist, wasn't even close to being existence when you were our the age that we were at when we had that. So what did Jacob want to be when he grew up? I wanted to be the GM of the New York Knicks. I was GM of the New York Knicks. 
that, that was the, the dream job from a young age. Um, mm. And, you know, I, in college, I guess I got my foot in the door in the sports industry. I went to school in Atlanta um, and I got to cover the Atlanta Hawks for the school newspaper. So I used that access to uh, build a connection with some coaches, some scouts around the league, uh, obviously got locker room access, got to interview players, make great stories around uh, kind of under the radar guys that I thought were on the come up. Mm -hmm. And after about two years of doing that, I just realized that the journalism career is just a grind, man. It's, it's hard to make a living. Uh, there are a ton of people like myself who uh, were just trying to crack into the industry, willing to work for free just to kind of get that foot in the door. Um, yeah. And that was only going to continue to progress and progress. So as I kind of took a step back, I realized like, A, being a G GM is going to be really hard, right? Because you're going to have to work your grind up. And not that I'm opposed to the hard work, but uh, after kind of doing two or three years of, of the, the journalism angle and then transitioning over to become a scout, I realized that it wasn't necessarily a meritocracy. It was a lot of who you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> more than uh, kind of what you can bring to the table. So mm -hmm. um, I saw a, a career path that would have required me to really get heavy into data science. So learning SQL, learning R, learning all of these different uh, coding platforms, essentially, uh, Python. And, and I, I took intro level courses with all of them, passed all of them. And it just really took the fun out of being an obsessive sports fan. It really removed that from me. And I, I believe in the analytics. I, I think that they have a place. I think there has to be a marriage of the eye test with the analytics. I don't think you can lean on just a spreadsheet. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I was kind of coding, okay, who are the most clutch players in the NBA? And I was doing all of these kind of programmatic, like, okay, I see De Dion Waiters' names coming up a lot. Okay, let me do some film research, figure out why. But as I was doing that coding, I was kind of like, this is somewhat soulless. I, 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 don't, I don't like this as much. Obviously, I'm not a player. It's going to be really hard for me to, to move up the ladder. I, I can speak with conviction about uh, why this guy should be given a third-year non-guarantee like based on injury history. But it's, it's hard for me to justify to – uh, someone at a team, why I can add more value than maybe a, a former yeah. player or someone that is just really heavy into the data science, majored in you know engineering or data, wherever they, they went to school. So I, I transitioned to being a scout. Um, I worked for Draft Express, which at the time was kind of the preeminent scouting service for NBA and, and mm -hmm. what we call the 61st pick. So players that weren't quite good enough to make the NBA, but have lucrative careers overseas. Um, I got to scout high school, got to scout college, got to scout international for them. Great opportunity. They ended up getting acquired by ESPN. At that time, I was... Uh, Realizing that even even the scouting route was going to be such a grind and really hard to, you know, a get health insurance, b get an opportunity to like have a, a stable source of income. So yeah. I transitioned over to the startup world. I, I joined a, a very small team at an app called Daily Bracket. Um, there were only four of us there, so I it was kind of like that. Pinch yourself. You just graduated from school, trying to figure out what what comes next and. You're in this really cool environment where you're working on a sports app, 
the premise for that app was kind of like ESPN streak for the cash. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with like that pickup yeah, platform. So you basically, yeah. you do like a sports pick them every day, you get 50 in a row, right? You win a million bucks. We kind of took that idea and made it every day. You have five pick -ums. If you go three for five with your picks, you can win a prize on the fifth day. You can get 10 bucks on the 10th day. You can get 20 bucks and then it trickles up to 50 days. You can win a million. Um, that was really fun, but after basketball and or after football and basketball season ended and we only had baseball as our, our pick them of the day, uh, we lost about 90% of our collector or our user base there. So uh, after about a year there of just riding that emotional roller coaster, I remember feeling so elated. We had like 50,000 daily active users on Super Bowl Sunday and it felt like we had made it. We had started to go a little more mainstream. Um, and then Sure enough, we lost pretty much all of them around the summer when there weren't kind of the major sports to keep everyone interested. I transitioned mm -hmm. over. I, I left. Uh, I left Daily Bracket and I went to an app called Amino. Um, when I was in college, I actually spent a year in Brazil studying Portuguese. So I was hired by Amino to be kind of our, our liaison to the Portuguese world. So yeah. interacting with. Brazilian users interacting with Portuguese users and uh, just kind of trying to build communities on that platform. Their their kind of vibe was Reddit meets Tumblr. So trying to be Reddit for a younger de demographic, so to speak. Um, and there I grew our NBA community in English to about 130,000 uh, members um, and got really great experience working with really young, hungry, scrappy uh, volunteers that wanted to just build an awesome NBA community. And uh, the main kind of value proposition of, of that community, I think, was sort of like if your Facebook feed was dedicated exclusively to NBA heads. So you mm -hmm. as like a high school student could write a blog about why Jimmy Butler deserves consideration as a top 10 player. And you're publishing that out to tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of NBA fans to engage with your content. So like unlike me, who I, I started my career as like a, a sports writer trying to write for my high school newspaper, if I came around 10 years later, I could have done that for Amino, gotten a much bigger following on that platform. Right to the NBA. That's right. NBA, yeah. So that was that was super rewarding, but similar situation to uh, Daily Bracket. At a certain point, you kind of have to read the tea leaves and see like, is there anything more that I can do here? Um, I felt pretty proud of the accomplishments we had made. Not only had I worked on the NBA community and the Portuguese communities, but I had grown like our, our dirt bike community, our reptile fanatic community. So I was just like meeting all of these unique niche people around the internet that were really into these very, very specific hobbies. Um, mm -hmm. And that was cool because it, it reaffirmed kind of that I love community building and that through the internet, you can make the world a less lonely place. Uh, yeah. I think there were a lot of people on that platform that probably didn't have someone in their high school or middle school that they could relate to about their hobbies and interests. So Amino provided that outlet, um, was there for about three and a half years and left for a great opportunity at Overtime. Uh, you had mentioned at the top of the pod, Darius. Mm -hmm. uh, Overtime, obviously, preeminent content creators, especially amongst Gen Z. Um, I had a cup of coffee there, frankly. Like I... I joined the team primarily to help kind of facilitate in real life fan meetups uh, over time, uh -huh. a roster of about five to 10 uh, 
on-air talent that host the shows and, and our influencers. So uh, around All-Star Weekend, for example, it was my job to coordinate kind of the fan meetup with our influencers and our fans that were in Chicago last year. Um, I went down to Atlanta to do a video shoot with Trey Young, and I helped pick uh, three Trey Young fanatics in the Atlanta area to play one-on-one -on -one against him for a play or two uh, as a part of that video. So that was a lot of fun, but the reality was uh, my role was primarily to do in real life fan meetups. The pandemic hit, uh, in real life became quickly untenable, right? He yeah. got safe. And there was no, at, at the time, there was no clarity around when the NBA season would, re would return. There was no clarity around when any sport would return. So I think over time, uh, to their credit, they, they acted decisively and, and they, um, I wasn't able to stick around, um, which was definitely a blow at the time. I, I felt like I was getting my footing there. I had only been there mm -hmm. for months, but I, I firmly believe everything happens for a reason. Uh, I went back to the drawing board. I was kind of thinking, okay, what do I want to do next? I think through that experience, I realized that as cool as it, as the overtime uh, experience is and getting so much great access with these uh, who, who's next in the NBA, right? Like the superstars in high school, I realized my passion really is lying with the NBA and, and yeah. working in the NBA working with, uh, you know, I, I like to think that there, there are a few, and, and certainly there are some, but there are a few people that can kind of roll off why uh, so-and-so player on the Portland Trailblazers didn't work out in Miami or Phoenix before and, and why Portland's the right fit for Derek Jones Jr. Or, you know, things like that. Yeah, just, yeah. Why, why the mid-level exception is a, is a good move for him in Portland, whereas, you know, if he went to Minnesota, why he wouldn't have been utilized as well. You know, so that, that's not like the most articulate way to put it, but I certainly, you know, for my entire life, especially in, in college, I was on that league pass grind where every night I was watching three, four games a night, memorizing these players, uh, where they went to school, how much their salaries were, kind of how they, what their contract nuances were and how yes. they did with the CBA. Um, you've been, you've been, a, you've been a, a, a NBA super fan from the jump. So, you know, so how, I guess what the people want to know, how I know you guys went live with the Top Shot uh, it, during the pandemic, October, 2020. And, um, you know, what, I guess what, what, what what led up to creating that? How did the team come together? How did you get on that team? And then then I guess just go right because I know you got to get. I know you're a busy guy, so then I want you to get and just let us know what NFTs are. Explain it to us. I guess NFTs for dummies. I know it's a non fungible token, but how does that work with? Uh, what's the difference of owning a top shop and owning like a gift or a picture of, of a highlight? Absolutely. So what I would say first and foremost is like. One of the central theses of Dapper Labs, that's the company I work for. They're the, mm -hmm. the company that founded NBA Top Shot. They also founded the Flow blockchain that NBA Top Shot is built on. Um, the, the central thesis of the company is every 10 years or so, there's a technological revolution, right? So you can date back to the 80s with like Atari and Nintendo as the original video games. And then in the 90s, the internet, 2000s, we got social media, 2010s, we got smartphones. With each of those technological revolutions, there's been one catalyst, and the catalyst every time has been gaming. So mm. you can kind of think of Facebook in 2009, had 200 million daily active users. Farmville comes to the platform. All the boomers come because they love Farmville. 
by 2011, we got 800 million daily active users on Facebook. So 4X in two years and gaming was a big part of that. So when you look at Dapper Labs and the blockchain, uh, Darius, I know you've been in crypto for a little while now, but for the past five years or so, 10 years, however long blockchain technology has really been kind of forward facing, it's primarily dealt with currencies, right? Uh, exchanges of currencies. Uh, but Dapper Labs' kind of vision is we can bring uh, gaming and collectibles to the blockchain in a way that's never been done before. So in 2017, uh, we launched CryptoKitties. Uh, CryptoKitties was kind of Neopets on the blockchain, so to speak. So you can buy uh, a digital cat and you can breed it with another digital cat and you <laughs> basically create your own uh, digital NFTs. And uh, the premise was pretty simple. Like all of these cats are very, very specific. They're all not NFTs, non-fungible tokens. I think the easiest way to, to explain a non-fungible token is if you have a dollar bill and uh, Antoine has a dollar bill, that dollar bill is the exact same, right? There's no different value in that dollar bill. Whereas on NBA Top Shot, what makes a LeBron James moment an NFT is that serial number one or that serial number 23 is going to have more value because it's the first mint or his jersey number than serial number 784. So because each of these moments has its unique serial number, it means that there are no two of the exact same of that moment, which means that each collector has true ownership of their specific moment. And all of this is authenticated in the blockchain. So you can see both the scarcity and who owns each moment in a way that's never really been done before. Okay, and there's no way to, I guess, bootleg the, the, the blockchain. There's no way to fool the system. That's right. That's right. Or somebody so you, can sell you a fake. That's right. So you can kind of, the, the most common criticism I hear is, why would I buy a, a digital highlight mm -hmm. and I can go to YouTube and watch that highlight for free? And I get it. it it's a very abstract concept. It's new. It doesn't have to be for everyone. But what I would say is, what is stopping someone from typing in on Google, LeBron James rookie card, printing out that LeBron James rookie card, hiring a, a good graphic designer, paying them a few hundred bucks to make an exact replica, and mm -hmm. uh, putting that up on your wall as, as if you own that million dollar card, right? Like at the end yeah. of the day, unless you have the licensing and authentication from the league uh, and the players association for that matter, there's no real... Uh, value there and especially on blockchain where it's 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 impossible to to counterfeit because this all exists under nbatopshot.com so if you go to the marketplace with your your digital replica that you're trying to forge it's going to be impossible to bring that into the marketplace and the ecosystem to transact uh, so gotcha. in order to have an opportunity to kind of engage and interact in this marketplace you have to have a, a vested stake and that stake would be a, a moment in your collection. Where do you see this going? Say five, 10 years down the, down the line, down the road, where do you see this going? Well, so one thing that I think is really exciting is because this is all digital, the opportunity for utility is really just scratching the surface, right? When you're talking about physical, um, there's just constraints there, right? You, you have to deal with uh, shipping, you have to deal with uh, getting a card graded um, and, and, 
no no shade whatsoever. I'm a trading card collector myself. But when we're talking about uh, on the blockchain and digital, there are so many opportunities where you can create fantasy games around the moments you own. You can create, uh, we're, we're launching a mobile game actually that you know the moments from your collection will help power up your team in the game. So uh, that should be a fun utility. Uh, and I think long-term, you, you know, we could take like the best of what Pokemon Go did, right? And you can go to an arena and you can get, rather than having a ticket stub, you can maybe have your, your, uh, your ticket be an NFT in itself that you have in your, your digital wallet. And because you went to the game and you have that digital ticket stub, it can, it can maybe earn you a free moment from that game that you were just at, right? Um, oh, wow, that's dope. There's a lot of potential here. You can have uh, exclusive moments based on which state you're in, which yeah. city you're in. Like, I, I think the possibilities there, again, are just scratching the surface. Now, I know you guys have hit some, uh, you know, we like to talk about money on this show, too. I know you guys have hit some some crazy numbers pretty early on. But um, did you guys do any research into, like, you spoke about gaming. I know 2K, like I'm a big 2K guy. And I know over the years, I've kind of started playing it less because it, it, they start going a little more to the Gen Z with buying cars and buying packs and things like that. Did you guys do any research into the revenue that they were making as far as 2K? And did that have any effect on your, your guys' business model? So I don't know if it had an effect on our business model. Certainly mm -hmm. we're looking at uh, other players in the space. And I think you're right on the money, Darius, when you say that like 2K is in one sense, uh, another one, another company that has done a really great job with digital collectibles through these, mm -hmm. these packs. Um, but I think we're kind of at an intersection of where the trading card space is, uh, where the 2K, the Madden Ultimate Team, the the FIFA Ultimate Team spaces, and then the the fantasy sports angle of it as well, where there are a lot of collectors that are uh, really big into fantasy sports, and some of them look at it like daily fantasy sports, where they see Jason Tatum Celtics are going to play on national TV three times this week. Let me buy up a lot of Jason Tatum moments because I think that he's going to average 40 points a game over the next week. And then his market will appreciate in that week. Um, and then there are other collectors that look at it more like a keeper league, right? Where, Oh, I want to get a LaMelo ball first career assist because I think that moment 20 years from now, if LaMelo makes the hall of fame is going to be unbelievably valuable in this community of Hornets fans and, uh, Lamelo fans around the world. Okay, cool, cool, man. It's good well, to know, man. I'm not. Cool. I, I don't know. I'm not a a gamer. Um, but just to hear, you know, um, where this is going and where this can go, man, it's definitely an eye opener. Um, just as far as you know, how this this world we in now, man. You can really tap into any and everything. You know what I mean? That's a fact. I, and I know I know the 2K, those card packs, I know they had to bring in over a billion dollars just with that alone. But um, uh, what was I going to ask you? Uh, back on it was on the money. Okay, so the money, back to the money. Um, trading cards. I saw Luca. Luca's, his card just sold for like a record four and a half million dollars. I want to say KD had one. Kobe, so million. Kobe just had Kobe, one. The Kobe break. Like, so yeah. how does that affect your guys' industry? Like the 
And how does it how does your industry affect the trading card industry? Is there any correlation? Is there any relation um, you know, with those prices and the value? Uh, it's a good question and I appreciate the opportunity. So I think that they exist coincidingly. I don't think that they're I think in our dream world, there's collectors that love trading cards that immediately understand why NBA Top Shot moments are valuable and fun mm. and want to collect both. Uh, we're certainly seeing some trading card collectors say, oh, if it's digital, it's worthless to me. I don't want anything to do with it. And that's fine. Top Shot doesn't have to be for everyone. Um, yeah. There are certainly a lot of collectors that uh, weren't involved in trading cards and have started to love Top Shot and uh, understand there's kind of a different layer there. I think when when we're talking about the money, obviously the the huge numbers, um, the, the six figure sales capture most of the headlines. But I think like one of the the really cool things I'm seeing is that a an overwhelming number of our our collectors own more than three moments, and more than half of the moments acquired in the marketplace have sold for under fifty dollars. So you don't have to be a big whale to get involved mm -hmm. in a top shot. Uh, rather than knowing anything about crypto, it's probably more important for you to know a little bit about the NBA. Yeah, yeah. You can figure out, oh, I, I like this player. I think he's a little yeah. undervalued by the community right now. And undervalued is interesting because there are all these different layers. You can you can look at, you know, with a trading card, it's it's kind of there's the still image of, of the card itself and, and you can basically identify its value based on who the player is and whether it's a rookie or if there's a, a relic on it, be a jersey card or an autograph card, you know. Uh, yeah. With Top Shot, I think it's kind of a confluence of four or five different angles, right? It's the player for sure, but also how cool is the highlight? What serial number do you own? Because the lower the serial number, generally the, the more, more valued it is by the community. Um, whether the moment came and when you when you when you own that moment, does the NBA own part of it too? Because obviously, you know, I'm sure you guys have some type of licensing agreement. But if Darius was to buy a Top Shot, does the NBA own a certain percentage of that, or how does that work? Yeah. So when it comes to the moment, the collectible itself, you own it 100. percent Now, similar to trading cards, that doesn't give you the license to the image. You, you don't own the highlight. You don't own the rights to disseminate that highlight. You own the, the okay. rights to own that moment. Uh, the way that we work with the NBA and the Players Association is rev share on transactions, right? So if you're a seller, I'm selling this moment for $10. Or let, let's, let's scale it up. Let's say I'm selling this moment for $100. Mm -hmm. There's a 5% seller's fee, similar to what you might see on like Airbnb, for example. And in that seller's fee, there's a rev share between Dapper, NBA, and the Player yep. Association. So unlike maybe uh, a trading card company where uh, the league and the Players Association gets a rev share on the primary sale, um, but then I, I snag that Zion autograph card from that, that pack and I put that on eBay, there's no kind of residual going to the players association or the league on that secondary market. Whereas on top shot, you get both a rep share on primary and secondary sales. Okay. Dope. dope, man. Dope, man. I know we got to let you get out of here, but um, that's, that's pretty much, I mean, I guess, how do we, well, what's the, what's the, what's the highest selling moment so far on uh top shot? So, so we did right now. 
We had a LeBron moment sell for uh, about $208,000 about two weeks ago now. But again, like I I think that the the sticker shock and and the the huge six-figure sums, I understand why it captures the attention. But I really want to kind of emphasize because I think there is kind of this misunderstanding now in the the media and the narrative of these huge sales that... Mm -hmm. Top Shot is only for wealthy people. Like the reality is that we had over 130,000 people buy a pack, yeah. uh, not last Saturday, but the Saturday before. The pack costs $9. Uh, you can, again, use your credit card. You can eventually cash out to your U.S. bank. There's no requirement at all to be wealthy to get involved in this. Uh, certainly, there are some moments that, like any ecosystem, that, yeah, it's gonna cost more, yeah. any ecosystem that's predicated on supply and demand, you know, LeBron, Steph, Kevin Durant, those are always going to be in high demand. Uh, But that's where NBA junkies like myself might, uh, you know, appreciate like finding their favorite player that isn't going for insane amounts of money. Yeah. Let me ask you, and I wanted to ask you about that. And I'm just thinking of a player who's just having a great, he's having a a phenomenal year this year. Um, And we kind of seen it, seen the growth, but like a Zach Levine, right? Mm-hmm. So, like a Zach Levine having a great year um, previously, you know, some decent years, but not crazy. Would that be like a player that, you know, like if you're a huge NBA fan or you're a Zach Levine fan, say, hey, I'm going to buy this or whatever, and I, I'm going to sit on it, and hopefully in a year or two or whatever the case may be, the stock may grow. Is it kind of like a similar, um, you know, situation that you're kind of thinking about or Absolutely. talking about? Absolutely. And I think what we're seeing is a lot of collectors come to Top Shot with that mindset of, I want to invest, get out real quick, just make a quick buck. And through the process of collecting these moments, they start to enjoy it a lot more than they they thought they would. So I always try to pitch Top Shot more like an arcade than an investment, right? So you go to the arcade as a kid and you're going to the arcade knowing full well that if you're amazing at the arcade, you can rack up enough tickets to go to the redemption prize booth and get right. that PlayStation. But you're not yeah. going to the arcade to win a PlayStation. You're going to the arcade. Yeah, to I was about to say, yeah, it's not going to be fun. Yeah. You should be there all day, too. <laughs> so I, I look at Top Shot the same way. Sure, there there could be opportunities to find undervalued moments in the, in the marketplace. Right. But I think the collectors that are coming for a quick buck are going to be the ones that have the least enjoyment here. And, and we're certainly seeing in our community, there are some collectors who's accounts have skyrocketed in value and yet they're not satisfied because um you know they they want perfection and we are very much still in beta trying to work on our product to make sure that by the time we leave beta the the growing pains that we've experienced such as you know site going down or uh marketplace being a little faulty like those are things that we have a great read on how to fix the problem and it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of we can't flip a switch and make it happen overnight yeah gotcha all right so how do we sign up anybody that's listening how do we sign up for nba top shots how many users are on the platform already and uh after that we'll let you go so we got a few hundred thousand collectors uh anywhere between nice. you know 300 to five hundred thousand. i would say it's kind of hard to read exactly because we do have quite a lot of uh similar with the sneakerhead community we have quite a lot of uh bad actors that are creating many, many accounts and and bots to try to get all the inventory. Damn bots. So right now we have uh, 
If you go to nbatopshot.com, signups are currently disabled. They We intermittently turn it on. We basically hit a weekly threshold of this is the number of new accounts we can take in without compromising the experience. But if you, if you go to Topshot, uh, sign up with your email. We'll shoot you an email as soon as signups are back open for, for you. And uh, we want to see as many uh, sports fans, NBA fans come to our community because uh, like like with trading cards, like with uh, memorabilia in general, as the community grows, as the interest grows, that means it just makes it that much more fun for everyone involved. All right. Got you, man. Right, Appreciate man. you. Appreciate that. Appreciate your story sharing, you know, sharing with us about Top Shot. Once again, Jason Eisenberg, you can follow him at, at Eisenberg43 on Twitter. And then obviously NBA Top Shot, man. Appreciate you taking out the time of your busy schedule. I'll be signing up, man. Hopefully I don't have to wait too long. If I do, I'm gonna be hitting your line again, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank I'm you, Darius. Thank I'm gonna sit fun. back. I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna let Darius tell me about it. I'm probably not gonna tap into that space, but I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you guys. Uh All thanks right, a lot. Stay safe. Yeah, you All do right. the same. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Yep, I'm gonna stay in my lane on that one. <laughs> yeah, if, if you didn't get the Levine, I thought you was about to get the Levine. Nah, I mean, I'm I definitely, I definitely would have a um my own little strategy as far as if I would tap into that, it would uh be buy and sit, buy and hold. You know what yeah. I'm saying, and just see what see what happens with it. But um, I'm gonna sign up. Let me see what they're talking about. I might get lucky with a with a pack or two. Yeah, yeah, nah. You would have called me back in the day, though. I definitely would have been on it because I was, <laughs> I was definitely big on. I know he says it's not similar as a, you know, collecting cards and, and things of that nature, but I was definitely big on that. I got a. Um, I, what you got in the collection, man? You speaking. got anything? I was about to that's, say you got anything? So that's what I'm saying. Like speaking on that, I just told to my uh, my mom and my pops. I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta find my card collection. Cause I had a um, I had a nice, I had probably had like three, five inch uh, binders full. You know, I had the little oh, plastic. Damn. So you had them plastic. So you got them. I had, a, had them in the plastic, um, front and back. I had two in each, so I could you know front and back. And then I remember I had like a cardboard, um, like a cardboard box where I had a lot of um, a lot of cars. So I definitely got to when I, I get back I to the crib. Man, I ain't collecting yeah. nothing growing up. Shit, I collected comic books too, man. It was, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I gave up on the comic books. I don't know where my comic books are now, man. But it's, it's funny where like everything always comes back full circle. You know what I'm saying? Facts. And it's, um, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. You probably, you probably collected, you probably collected Pokemon too. Them little kitty joints they used to have was the middle school. Well, you, you had some, you had some grown nah. folks out there. You had some grown folks out there collecting them jumps, like you know what I mean. But that's a fact. Yeah, that's I definitely. Man, don't don't play me like that, son. <laughs> <laughs> that boy had to. Uh, I knew, I knew the names back in the day. Though I ain't gonna lie. It's a reason why you knew the name. Nah, because it was just worth money. Were uh, Char Charmander, Char okay. yeah, Pikachu. Okay. Everybody okay. Pikachu. Okay, okay. Yeah, man, what you, what you know. had? What you had? I I ain't had none of them, but okay. Should I probably should have? But yeah, man, I wish I would. I wish I would have collected some junk. I definitely see the similarities though. But everything going digital, man. These kids going in two K. I want to say they did like one point because obviously the company that they worked with. It's a public company, so they got a um, 
publish all the numbers. It's I want to say they made yeah. like one point five billion off of like those card packs. So um I know that has something to do with these new industries coming about, man. But it's pretty dope, man. Pretty good to get a little more understanding of what's behind it. Like, yeah. like he said, it ain't for everybody. It ain't for AB. AB ain't in it. AB, I'm definitely not getting in it. But I'm bet, like I said, I'm definitely gonna be on your like, yo, what you do this week, <laughs> yeah. What you do this yeah. week? But mm -hmm. um, but I know, you know, some things, man. I just like I said, I always tell, I'm, I'm staying my lane at all times. Yeah, stay in my lane. Who was that dude at the Colts who collected everybody's card? It was a um, dude. I know if you when I first got there, nah, he worked for the coach in some capacity. It was on a training camp. Mm. And um, I gave him my card. And I remember he showed me his collection. He had like Peyton rookie card, Edgerin, your like anybody who came through the coach, he had their card. He worked in like the equipment room or something. Uh I gotta I gotta figure out his name, man. I don't know, but I I run across a lot of people on just IG. Um, mm -hmm. Tyler Sports guy, I know his, he's um he's on IG, and he's a a big time car collector. He just you know he bigs me up every now and then. He'll shoot a DM to me. He'll shoot like a car like, hey, I found this car to you. I found this car to you. I found this car to you. I'm like, damn, I don't know where you getting this stuff, but it's it's yeah. it's a it's a big business now. You know what I mean? Huge it's business, a, it's a huge business. You know what I mean? So. Man, I mean, again, man, I think everybody, I mean, everybody finds their niche. Everybody has their hobby that they're, it's not even a hobby now. Like some people look at this like, like full-time jobs or, you know, yeah. see if I could, you know what I mean? If I could find me a, a collector's piece or a piece that's a rare piece or a rare car. But I mean, everybody finds their little niche, man. They tap into it. Something, man. I know you, you probably collect. What you collect now, man? Now, now that you, you know. Grown, man, old, you collect watches, cars. Nah, I'm not a car collector. Um, art. you know, say it again. I said art. I'm getting on the art. Um, I'm, I'm doing that. It's crazy. I'm actually going to a dinner on um this weekend where it's going to be some curators, some 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 artists, um, mm -hmm. some, some sellers and and buyers that I'm gonna I'm gonna go and just rough some shoulders with. But I'm still on shoot like. I'm not as big, but you know, I still sit on on shoes. You know what I mean? So now yeah. when I when I look and see shoes that's coming back out, I go up in the closet and be like, yo, I've you know what I mean, I, I've had I've been sitting on these for like 10 years and yeah. still fresh, you know what I mean? So I still I know the wife would be like, yo, like let's let's clean some of this space. I'm like, nah, cause nah, uh, not them, nah, not these. That's you, that's that shoe game, like the dope game now, boy. For for real, for real. And then it, it's crazy. Obviously, I forgot her name, but that the the VP um of Nike. You know what I mean? When she just stepped down, um, you know her she son. Was in on that shit, too. Of, of course, no question. Like you know what I mean? But um, like her son, like I couldn't, I couldn't imagine what his bank account looks like, bro. I guarantee she was making more with that business is what she making at Nike. Right, it was guarantee that. Ridiculous, because the resale the pictures of all the man, what did I? That was wow. So and she told she actually told Nike, I want to say like three years ago, she told them kind of the business that you know she oh, the was, you know, yeah. son had with the resale blah blah, and they so they didn't do nothing about it. And then when everything came out, then they, you know she stepped down and. Nike actually posted something today. I put it on my story talking about. I've um, seen that to, about the bots. Yeah, trying not to have the bots and shit like yeah. that. And I don't, I don't do it like you said. You, 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 you the shoe guy. But um, I know a lot of people who go on those apps, the sneakers apps, the goat, 
the um it's a few of them but um and they are <laughs> a lot of they be sold out it'd be sold within, out yeah within, within, like, it was in seconds yeah yeah um and, but i'm not a, i'm not big on the apps you know what i mean so my thing is you know if i you know the guy that i to go through to get my shoes you got you still got the plug you know if he can't get them and don't don't if you don't send me anything about a thousand dollars for some shoes or 500 you know what i'm saying <laughs> like yo because my thing is like yo i like them i want them what can you do well it yeah. be it will be here for this well all right it can go on to the next one but if yeah, it's some cool. jokes that i can you know i can get for 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 a good number then i you know i'll do that and doing this this pandemic shit, i ain't getting fly no way so nine something out of ten they just sitting in the box anyway so yeah um but that's the only thing i'm i'm collecting right now um you know uh watch here and there mm-hmm. uh you know the watches man you can pass those down they they hold right. their value pretty time well pieces. time pieces hold their value pretty well but but other than that man i'm i'm good yeah. that shoe game crazy i actually had one of my um college teammates i posted some shoes and then he hit me like, oh, I can get them for you, you know, just shoot me. I'm like, oh, bet, you know, how much? It's certain shoes that I see, I'm like, oh, I want them. So I'm like, how much? So I'm thinking he gonna hit me for probably like eight, nine hundred maybe. That was that was like my number where I was like, you know, okay, I ain't going past that. Yeah. He like, send me six, send me two and shipping. So I'm like, oh, you looking out. Like, oh, this, you got this, the, this you, like you, damn you, retail. You got the plug for real. Yeah, so I'm like, bet. So he sent me like 10 pictures of the shoes. I'm like, bet, like. And then he he put like high quality reps or something like that. Mm. So I'm like reps, like hold on, high quality. You mean like replicas? <laughs> I'm like hold on, let me. I'm like hold on, rep, what you mean high quality reps? Hey. These fakes? Yeah. He like he like hey, you show me another shoe. You show me the original <laughs> next. I'm like oh no, I'm good. Hey. <laughs> but but that serious to me. But but that's a but whole another. That's business. a whole another business, bro. <laughs> and that's crazy thing about it. it's a whole another business where people are getting getting money <laughs> because you got to think about like the average buyer the average person would have went ahead and be like all right boom like i'll send you that Fact. because now i mean 99 percent of the people you got some shoes on they're not gonna run up on you and be like yo let me see you know back in the day the locker room is school definitely like yo like man you got them fake jokes on like you know what i'm saying like like let me get, let me see that you know what I'm saying but but now, let me see the tag let me see your tag like yo get off me yo get off me get off my hill figure sport yeah man but but yeah man it's it's oh, it's, man. it's a crazy it's a crazy game now crazy yeah, game that shit man I'm glad I asked he he could have got me he could have got me if he was like hey because I wouldn't have known to you know check for this and look for that and pull this and you know y'all real sneaker heads boy boy debug green out here hey. Boy, now I know now I know the ass. Anytime man, that, man, I, I know man. the deal sound too good though. I, I'm like, hold on, two is two hundred. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you tripping. But um yeah, it was the joints with, with the MJ signature on the back with the one with some ones. Some ones, the original yeah. Jones, the OGs. I don't, the I don't know the name, I don't know the names, and I feel like they come out with the same shoes. Same shoes, yeah. names for them. Yeah, so do. it it looked a little little ashy. <laughs> Yeah, had, like a signature on the back. It was it was hard though, but um, but yeah, y'all be careful out here for them with them reps. And I, for you know sure. what, do your thing if you want shit. Hey, do your thing, man. Because I know some people who make a lot of bread and make a lot shit. of bread. I know somebody that told me that. Hey, yo, these shit ain't real, bro. 
Oh shit! Hey, some <laughs> people they go they go with it like as long as it matches. It's smart. It's smart. If you ain't if you ain't going to resell them and you ain't doing nothing, do your thing, man. They look they look real on IG. I know you ain't. You only gonna get a you only gonna get a couple wears out of them though. I know that for sure. Yeah. So if y'all see me, if y'all see me with them ones, make sure y'all get me because they reps. If y'all see <laughs> me with the red ones, don't let me slide. You won't see me. But if I double back, like. Nah, I'm, I'm fucking with y'all, man. But yeah, man, what else you got, man? Anything else? Man. Get up out of here. Sure, that's it, Very man. educational episode. For sure. I got a lot of game today on this episode. Yeah, facts, facts. Learned a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of people that had a lot of questions about, you know, just what it is as a whole. It's a whole shit. It's a whole new world out here, honestly. Like he said, every 10 years, that shit made a lot of sense when he said it, too. Every 10 years is kind of a tech revolution so i think that you know that time frame only will get smarter so hopefully y'all learn something like we said we're gonna bring y'all some different things some different type interviews um you know here in the man to man pod so appreciate y'all rocking with us as always let's say we out of here peace